Well, all right. Well, you might as well go ahead and praise the Lord twice as loud. Yes, Lord. Wow, Lord, we just honor you. We honor you tonight for what you're going to do. I thank you right now that the, the role of a prophet, the role of the prophetic is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It is not about the few. It is not about the elect. But, Father, it is about releasing your kingdom through every single saint that is in this sanctuary. So, Father, I honor what you're going to do tonight because this is a night of commissioning. And this is a night where it is war on the enemy. So, Father, we bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, you may be seated. How many of you guys are excited about what God's going to do? Amen. So... Uh, I just want to go ahead and just take a moment to honor your amazing pastors. How many of you love your amazing pastors? They're incredible. I, I just have to, to share with you a little bit. You know, Pastor Daniel, he's so kind. It's so humbling for him to, to even speak so highly of me. But I want to speak highly of him and his beautiful wife. Because the, this is a couple that doesn't just say nice things to people. They put their money where their mouth is. And I, I remember last year, before I came here for this conference, Pastor Daniel shared with me the vision that he had of a generation rising up that would do greater and far beyond what he could have possibly hoped to do. And I remember in that phone conversation, he says, I'm going to dedicate my life. I'm going to dedicate my life to raising up that next generation. Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard every single line in the book being in church for long enough. How many of you have had that experience, right? Uh, I've had experience with that, but there was something about me hearing it from him that I said, this man is serious. And can I tell you that even just seeing the investment that he's placed on this generation that's coming up is incredible. I, I, I mean, it's just incredible. Leilani and I were just with the youth this morning. And you can tell these are not youth that have been neglected or ignored, and they are not second-class citizens. These are children that have had pastors and leaders that have invested dearly into their lives so that they could go far and beyond what we have ever seen. So I just want to honor you guys in the heart that you guys have. It's incredible. Amen. Now, you're going you're gonna to notice. Now, if you know anything about me and you've seen any of my Instagram stories, there are two things that are true about me. One, I enjoy food tremendously, probably more than I should, right? Uh, a few years ago, I was 240 pounds. At five foot five, it is not a good look. Um, it is not, it's not attractive, you know? When you're wider than you are tall, it's a problem. Um, you start rolling downhill, easy. Um, so, amen. Bless you, Jesus. All right, well, that's enough for me tonight. Um, and, and so here's the thing is the second thing about me is I am extremely extremely, extremely excitable. And, and I am so excited. One thing is that the only thing I'm more excited than food and being married to my wife, who is beautiful, um, is actually what God is doing in the body of Christ today. I love it when I see God on the move because I want to be in the thick of it. And, and I, I'm just super, super excited. So you, you might notice my voice a little bit lower, a little bit more subdued. And uh, interesting thing is that um, uh, leading up to this, I, I remember I was um, in the process of praying for this conference. You know, that's what I love. I, I love being to seek God and praying and prophesying over uh, where we're going to minister at. And one of the things that immediately started happening was uh, my voice started to disappear. Interesting. Interesting that I would go to a prophetic conference on my way where the main focus is that the voice of the Lord would be known amongst his people, and my voice begins to go. 
One of the things that I began to realize was I said, God, what is this? Is this just simply because I've got a cold, because I've got uh, a four and a six-year-old now, and they are literally a Petri dish of every single thing known to humankind? Is that it? Or is there a spiritual dynamic to what is going on? And I, I, I believe that sometimes, you know, I, I'm so honored that uh, people have found uh, the prophetic anointing that flows through me is accurate. But to be honest, I'm really slow on the uptake. God has to come at me about a dozen different times before I get it, right? Because that's another thing I'm famous for is I'm situationally unaware. I could be walking through a war zone, and I'm still focused on that frozen yogurt I'm heading towards. I am ready to go. I am locked in. I'm just oblivious. So God sometimes has to work with me in his infinite patience to be able to get me into that place. And, and finally, he got to me, and he literally got to me about five minutes ago. Um, and he said, David, I want you to understand that this is a season where it means war. This is a season where it means war, and the enemy understands that in this season, the way to cut off change and cut off transformation is to go after the vocal cords of the body of Christ. This is something that's very, very interesting and, and very unique, and so I believe that God is calling us in this conference, I believe one of the things that he's releasing is he is saying it's time to fight for your voice to come back. And it is time to begin to prophesy anew and afresh the promises that have been laid at your doorstep. The Lord is saying, who will pick this up? Who will rise up in this season and speak it with boldness? And so that's what God is beginning to do. And, and so I'm excited to be able to share a little bit of that in there. But you know what? I want to be able to minister to a few of you before I get started. Would that be okay? Would that be all right? I'd like to minister to this extremely masculine gentleman right here by the dog. Um, yeah, Josh, come on up. I know you're both very masculine, but we're going to go with, with this one right here, the junior of the Joshes here. Um, this man right here is incredible. How many of you love the heart of servanthood that this man carries? Incredible. This is the level of dedication that he has. He stayed up till 2 a.m. in the morning to pick my wife and, up from, and I up from the airport uh, in Anchorage. And, and I got to tell you that the heart that you carried is just simply amazing. And uh, if, if you are a representation of this church, it is a very good one. We, it is a very good one. And so everybody just go ahead and extend your hands to this amazing, amazing young man. And Father, we thank you so much for the anointing that this one carries. Lord, I thank you right now that even the meaning of his name is deliverer. And I heard the Lord saying specifically for you is that when you were young, there was even extreme warfare over your identity and what you were called to be. In fact, the enemy came at the ages of four and five and literally tried to rob you of your life. But the Lord says that I raised my mighty hand in that moment, and I made a decree and declaration over your life. And the Lord says that uh, I have marked you ever since you were young to be a deliverer of a generation that has yet to emerge. And so the Lord says that I'm going to begin to start shifting some things inside of your life. There's going to be a new opportunity even within this house to begin to plug in and to dig your roots down deep. And the Lord says that it is going to be so far outside of your wheelhouse, you're going to say, God, is this really you? And the Lord says that when that moment comes, I want you to know that it is an opportunity born out of the faithfulness that is your life. And so the Lord says, some do not run from it. Do not think that you need to second guess it because the Lord says that I'm going to release it to you and you're going to know because it is done under the proper authority that it is a season of vindication for you. This is what I see is God is showing himself powerful in your life because 
because he is reversing the negative words that have been spoken through the generations of your family. So the Lord says he is unwinding the heaviness. He is unwinding the things that would try to rob the abundance. And the Lord says that in the right time, I'm going to cause you to be a voice within the church. And then I'm going to cause you to bring the church to the marketplace. So Father, I release that to him now. We decree and declare that this is a season of visitation for him now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We'll give him a hand as he moves. We love you so much. Now, is there someone in here? I really feel, I hear someone that is in here. How many of you are in education? You're a teacher. You're an educator. Actually, I see this one right here with the hand up right there. What's your, can you stand up right where you are? Yeah. You just look behind you. That's you right there. You're in education? Come on up here. Come on up here. I want to, uh, mostly because I can't see you, so I want to be able to, I don't know, like 31. That, I was not expecting 31. So um, here we go. What's your name? Veronica. Awesome. Father, we just thank you so much for Veronica. Veronica, I heard the Lord saying for you that this is going to be a season where he is going to unlock not just doors of favor within how you operate in education, but what is getting ready to happen is the Lord says that you are going to have a revelation of what it is to raise a family of your own in kingdom principles and transformation. I don't know what, uh, what your family dynamic is or anything like that. You have nine children. Well, there you go. That's a private school all on its own, isn't it? Uh, you're a homeschool mom. This is very good. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, this is what's going to happen, okay? Is I believe that God is getting ready to cause there to be a revelation in the midst of how you interact with family that is going to be a framework for how you begin to educate and raise up a generation of children that are not even your own. Now, this is what has happened is that there was a season in your life where you were taken out of the game, right? And you kind of alluded to that just now. And you said, Lord, why is it that I'm going in this position where I've seen like I'm hidden away. And the Lord wants you to know that it is in this moment where you are going to see an uncovering and a revealing of the deep deposit of revelation that has been placed in you over the last three years. Father, I just released to her right now a supernatural grace. Nine children, Lord. We just release a supernatural grace of motherhood, but also, Father God, that she would walk in this mantle in a supernatural way like never before in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, here we go. Here we go. So this is what I love is uh, last time I was here inside of this conference with you guys, I actually was not married. Interesting, right? <gasps> what? Shock. It's crazy. And so this is one of the things is I actually got to be, marry my beautiful wife, Leilani. Um, Leilani, who is also the daughter of John and Meliana Harkey. Some of you uh, know and love them, and, and it's incredible. I got to say, I got to say is that, like, uh, Leilani, marriage is interesting. I, I heard that marriage is like a minefield, right? Um, you're learning to love, and, and you're learning to become less selfish. And for me, in marriage, I, I gotta be honest, like, if love is a minefield and marriage is a minefield, I have hit every single mine 
in that minefield in the last eight months, right? You don't realize, you know, how much growing needs to happen when you get married, right? Uh, I, if Pastor Josh had preached the message and given the examples he had given last year, uh, this time last year, I would not have understood them. But I got to tell you, when he started giving those analogies, I was about to get up and run around this sanctuary because I was like, Pastor, you are speaking the last season of my life. You are a prophet of the Lord. You know, it, it is exactly that way. Marriage is that way. And and she has just been such an encouragement to me, and she's really blessed me, not only with her beauty, but also uh, the wisdom that she carries. Because for me, I'm hyper-emotional, right? I'm like this like crazy like emotional person. I'm driven by emotion, and she's very steady-minded, and yet she has wisdom. And um, it's just amazing because she helps me settle, and it's incredible. Um, but I don't want you guys to get it twisted. Like, I bring a lot to the table, too. Like, I don't want this to be like, you know, oh, yeah, he's, he's a mess. Like, for, like... <laughs> I mean, come on. I, uh, one of the things that I actually really, uh, really bring to the table is I give her, give her plenty of opportunities to exercise patience. I give her so many opportunities on a daily basis, you know. When, I, when she wakes up in the morning and sees me laying in bed next to her staring at her, it is a moment where she exercises patience and does not lash out and go, why are you looking at me while I'm sleeping, you know. Um, the other thing is that she's actually... She's actually, I've caused her to be a radical prayer warrior, too. She's come up levels in her intercession. Every time she gets in the car with me, she goes into tongues like I have never heard in my life. And she also becomes a watchman on the wall. She's like deer, antelope, moose. Like, she's like, come on now. Like, for, some, for a prophet that sees, you don't see very much, you know. She just, she just does that thing. So I, I really just appreciate, I appreciate my wife, and, and it's everything. And how many of you just really appreciated even the wealth of knowledge and revelation from this morning? I mean, I'm going to be honest, though. I, I'm really glad that I missed Bishop Hook's message, um, predominantly because every time I hear him preach, I want to quit preaching myself because I'm like, there is no point. There is no reason. His exegesis of the scriptures, he starts saying things that I never even, I can't even pronounce, you know. I, I just, I'm like, we'll refer to, you know, such and such. So it's just incredible. Um, but how many of you can sense that something's been building? Something has been building. Even talking uh, with Pastor Daniel about the times of prayer, there is something that is getting ready to come to a head in the midst of this territory, in the midst of this region that I am extremely excited to be able to partner with. You are on the cusp of something that I don't think we can even quantify with words because it's a demonstration and a representation of the Spirit of God manifesting the kingdom in a way that you will not have seen inside of the United States up until this point in time. It is an opportune time. And this is why it is important that there is a prophetic conference within this region and this territory, because what it is, is it allows God's people within the region to understand the times and the seasons that they're in. Because if you do not understand the context of where you are and the position of where you are in God's prophetic process and timetable, you will misrepresent and misunderstand where you are, and you will actually potentially despise the very thing that God is trying to bring in your life to get you from point A to point B. And so the prophetic is extremely 
profoundly important for you because in this moment in time, the Lord says that the margin for error is very slim because the time is short and the moment of God's power is at hand. This is something that is amazing and this is important. And so what I'm saying is that I am standing here. We are all standing here, not as our own individual, but we are standing as a representation of the momentum in the spirit that has been built over 15 years worth of prophetic conferences, where even 10 years ago, it was not popular to have a prophetic uh, conference. It was not popular to have a prophet come into town and prophesy over people. But there was a vision from a man. There was a vision from a small company of people that were willing to say, I don't care if it's outside of the normal realms. I don't care if it is something that the region has not seen before. We are seeing what the Spirit of the Lord is bringing in the future. And so we will pioneer, we will sow, and we will forerun. And so what we're seeing and what we're living in right now is the momentum of the years that have gone in to sow into where we are right now. It is not simply a price that was paid by good administration over three months ago. This is the manifestation and the fruit of the travail, the intercession, the blood, the sweat, and the tears of those that were willing to pay a price even though the world deemed them insane. This is what's going on, is that one of the ways that the enemy will try to rob us in the season is one, to not understand the times and the seasons that we are in, and two, to begin to delegitimize our voice in our own eyes so that when we speak, there is no power. God is saying that this is a moment in time within this territory that he is equipping you and I to begin to prophesy the promise that God has spoken over your life personally, over this region corporately, to begin to cause authority to come forth where heaven and earth move to meet the declaration that God has birthed through your mouth. This is where we're at. How many of you feeling something popping in here tonight? Here's the interesting thing is because uh, I shared this with the youth today, and I want to share it again. This one component about why your voice is so important is we understand in Genesis. How many of you read the book of Genesis, right? I've read it a bunch of times, and we understand the story of creation. How many of you know the story of creation? Whew, okay, I got this friend. His name is Jason Ma, and he's a, he's a really cool guy. And um, one of the things that he does is he's actually a prophet to Hollywood. It's very interesting. And he actually consulted on this virtual reality project about the seven miracles of the Bible. So I don't know if you know about virtual reality headsets, but um, you put it on, and you're, like, surrounded by video. And it's like an immersive experience. And so he was part of a company that went ahead and converted some of the most miraculous miracles into virtual reality. We're talking about when Moses parts the Red Sea and you are walking with the children of Israel on dry land and you're seeing the walls of water all around you and you're hearing the sound of chariots behind you. I put on this VR headset and I did, decided to go ahead with uh, the story of Lazarus. And I'm sitting there in this VR headset and I'm sa- sitting there by Lazarus, Lazarus on his deathbed. And then all of a sudden, the next scene, I'm over at the tomb where I see an exchange between Jesus and Mary and Martha. And then all of a sudden, Jesus calls Lazarus out. And oh my gosh, talk about an immersive experience. But one thing that virtual reality can never replicate is the miracle of creation. Could you imagine? I would freak out if I was in the middle of creation. 
right? God says, let there be light. Oh my gosh, there's light everywhere. What is happening? And then all of a sudden, right, the water begins to part from dry land, right? And we see the process of creation. It is one of the most amazing events to ever happen. But there is one question that you ask in the midst of this, is you say, God, why are you going through the trouble of creation? Why are you even doing this? Do you, are you bored? Do you not have time? Are there not other things that you could be doing? It makes no sense because in the moment when we are in Genesis chapter 1 in the early verses, what we begin to see is we see events happening without context. You see what happens? That's why the prophetic that gives context to the season that you're in is so important. Because otherwise what happens is you begin to look all around you and there is no understanding and you just think things are unrelated and things are happening to you. And then all of a sudden you get into a victim mindset because why is this happening? Oh me, oh my. Why is this taking place? When in reality, the majority is that if you have context, you understand the process. And when you are in process, it makes sense. And all of a sudden what seems like warfare is actually promotion. This is what gets ready to happen. God is beginning to remove even this, uh, this shroud of this victim mentality that the body of Christ has had because they simply don't understand where they've been placed in the midst of history and in the course of time. You are getting ready to see something that is going to blow your socks off. And it's for those that know the context of the season that they're in. And so now, all of a sudden, we see all of this creation, and we're saying, God, why, why, why? And then we see the reason why. Later in chapter one, it says, let us create man in our image and our likeness that they may have dominion over all creation. And then it becomes clear because now you have context that everything you see outside around you is because of you. Everything around you is for you. For you to be able to be like your father and demonstrate with the authority that he has given you his very nature. So that is why the enemy has gone and robbed the youth of America and the youth of the world so intensely because they're trying, the, the enemy is trying to come in and say, none of this is for you. You don't have a place. You don't belong. You don't have an inheritance. You don't have any place inside of this world. And in reality, the very reason we are here is because God wants to do something with us. He wants to partner with you in the midst of your life so that you could demonstrate his nature. So that you can reflect him with the fullness of who you are. The purpose of creation is that you would be like your father. So here's the interesting thing that happens, is that then we see man created. God breathes into Adam. The very breath of God breathes into Adam. He comes alive. And God puts Adam in the Garden of Eden. Now, I want, you to, I want to ask you guys a question. How many of you realize that God was the one that planted the Garden of Eden? Did, did God kind of get down and have a huddle with Adam and be like, all right, Adam, this is what I want to do. I want to create a garden. I'm going to call it Eden. Uh, I don't want any suggestions on the name. I'm calling it Eden. You may not know what it is. Right? I want you to go ahead and plant this tree, this tree, and this tree. How many of you know that didn't happen in the Bible? Right? God created the garden. 
He planted the trees. He did all these different things. He puts him in the midst of the garden. And one of the first things, what is one of the first things that God has Adam do? Name the animals. One of the first things that God has his son Adam do, his child Adam, his creation, is to use the very thing that his creator used to create the heavens and the earth. There is nothing like when a son does what he sees his father doing. And now we understand the reason why the enemy has waged war against our voice since the beginning of time. And that is why you are in the season that you are in. That is why the enemy has waged a warfare in your life to the degree that it has is because he knows that there is something in the voice of the redeemed that can begin to shatter what has taken him centuries to be able to build and establish. You have inside of you, within a few sentences, the capacity and the enforcement of the authority of the kingdom to begin to unravel everything he's worked so hard to begin to establish. No wonder the enemy has come to rob you of your voice. So then you begin to understand that the prophetic is not just simply a supplemental thing to the rest of Christianity. Hearing God's voice is not just simply a good idea that you can leave or take or do whatever you want with it. It is essential for you to begin to understand your personal position in the kingdom, the realm of authority that God has given you, and how you are to operate in the midst of this kingdom that God has placed you in. So the prophetic is not a secondary thing. It is one of the primary things that God does because it is a relationship between you and the creator through the hearing and the understanding and the response to his voice. Are you with me? This is why I'm like so jazzed about this right now. I wish my voice was stronger because I'd scream and I'd yell and I'd run, right? But here's the thing that's going on is that this is why... God wants to begin to establish this inside of your life. And so the reason why we are here this weekend is not so you can hear one or two prophets prophesy the word of the Lord over you, but it is this for this reason. It is that we want to begin to provide insight and revelation on what the heart of the Lord is for you so that you can begin to take the territory that he is destined for you to grab a hold of. The purpose of the prophet is, is it's really good when we give you uh, zip code, cell phone numbers, and mailing addresses, right? It's really, really good when we do that. It's great. It's good for confirmation. However, the main role of a prophet is to begin to equip you for the work of the ministry to, so that you can begin to do the work that God had called you to be able to do. And so now what we're going to do is now that we have an understanding about this and why God wants us to begin to reclaim our voice, let's visit the other component, which is that it is time for war. Amen? How many warriors do we have in here? All right, 60%. We're going to shoot for 70 by the end of the night. It's going to be really, really good. But here's the thing is it's time for war. Pastor Josh said something yesterday that I don't know if you caught it, but I was about to jump out of my seat. He says that he mentioned something about how the body of Christ has oftentimes lost its will and ability to fight and to bite. It's lost its fight and its bite. And the reality is that that's very, very true. And that's why his message was so important. I was like standing on the edge of my seat because I was like, Pastor, I'm about to take my message. I'm going to have to re I'm gonna restudy. I'm going to have to like go do some Bible study. But it was good. So he talked about how you need to speak the word, right? Right, speak the word. And so it is a time for war. And so I want to begin to have us reference what it is to begin to walk in the reality of your prophetic word. 
this is where it's going to get a little bit interesting, but follow me on this roller coaster. How many of you are with me? Okay, very, very good. Um, this is what we're going to do, is that the process of living in the midst and the reality of your prophetic word is not about the fulfillment of that prophetic word. That is only one component of seeing the reality of your prophetic word. In reality, when the voice of God comes to you where you are, in the midst of where you are, it is to begin to change the realm and the atmosphere that you live in. What it does is it begins to shift the very atmosphere that you're in so that you can begin to reflect the very nature of what is the heart of God spoken in that word at that exact moment. And there is no greater example. There are very few greater examples to this in the story of Caleb. Ooh, I love Caleb. You know what? I actually think, and don't tell him this when you get to heaven, but I actually like Caleb a little more than Joshua, personally. Um, I just, I don't know. That's just my preference. Um, and that's this different thing. It's because of this, okay? How you guys ready to go for this? Is we see Caleb demonstrating something, and which is a nature and a desire and a thirst to war. This is the thing that's interesting about Caleb, however, is that he is someone that demonstrates something very different than Joshua, how many of you remember the story of Moses, right? If you do a word study on the story of Moses and the name of Moses, Moses' name in many contexts means deliverer, right? And in fact, if you take it all the way down to root, it actually literally means he brings them out. He brings them out. What did Moses do? Brought them out of Egypt. Interesting. Because then when you actually do an interpretation and word study on the name Joshua, Joshua's name means deliverer. But here's the thing, is Joshua, the name Joshua is not Joshua's original name, right? It's a different name that means deliverer, but Moses calls Joshua, Joshua. And what it means is Jehovah is my salvation. This is why it's important to get under, and I wanted to share this little bit, is it's important to get under prophetic mentors. It's important to stay under your spiritual authority in this local house and these different things because what that does is it causes you to receive a season of acceleration that comes from not having to make the same mistakes as the generation before you. This is what happens is that Moses experiences a moment of delay in the midst of his destiny because of what? He goes ahead and kills an Egyptian. What he does is he takes the reality of his name, the definition of his name, and he seeks to fulfill it in his own power and his own might. And so what he does not have is the context of the fact that God wants to empower the identity that he was created with to be able to position him to be able to accomplish his destiny. Moses tried to do it on his own. So when Moses comes and names Joshua, Jehovah is my salvation, he's literally covering Joshua and says, Joshua, do not make the same mistake that I did where I tried to do it in my own effort and my strength. I understand that your name means deliver, but Jehovah is the only salvation salvation. You get what I'm saying here? And so Joshua is set up for success. He is like ready to roll. His name means Jehovah is my salvation. He is the heir apparent to be the leader of the nation of Israel, the, the Israelites, right? Now, equally as impressive as the name Joshua is the name Caleb. You guys know what Caleb's name means? Dog. Uh-uh, dog. It means 
that came, exactly, the barking dog. Not like a, not a thing you call your best friend. What up, dog? Like, that's not what you do. I'm from the 2000s. We used to use that term. Um, and early 2000s. And so, um, but this is what happens is Caleb's mean name means dog, a canine, an animal. Which hearkens to what we see in the future when Mephibosheth tells David, what do you want to do with a dead dog like me? It is the voice and identity of shame to be under and subservient to something or someone else. This is the point I want to make about Caleb, is God is after faith, not pedigree. God is after the response of your faith, because then it is afforded to you as righteousness. So then that is what God can use. So we see Caleb who is named as if he, no one expects much from him. And then we look in Judges chapter 14, where Joshua is at the end of his life. He is old and stricken with years. Here's the interesting thing. Joshua is relatively the same age as Caleb, isn't he? And yet Joshua is reached the end of his mission, and he's old and stricken with years. And so he needs to divide the territories uh, of Canaan up with the rest of Israel. And so this is what happens. He's at the tent of meeting, and they're dividing up. It's like, okay, you know, Levites get nothing because God is their inheritance, you know. And then he's like going all this and everything. And then Judah comes on the scene, the tribe of Judah. And at the head of this tribe is Caleb, the one whose name means dog, but whose reputation speaks otherwise. And I can imagine the scene, right? Go ahead. This is the, the imagination of David, right? Hush. A hush goes all across the children of Israel because all of a sudden, word has gotten out that Caleb is on the move. All of a sudden, Caleb sees a parting of the people as he makes his way to the tent of meeting. And he goes to his old friend, Joshua, and stands before him. This is the interesting thing about Caleb, is that Caleb carries with him the scars of war. Caleb stands stronger than he has ever been, and he stands in front of Joshua. Let's go ahead and see what happens here. Whew. Joshua 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning me and you in Kadesh Barnea, right? Essentially what Caleb does is he brings to Joshua's remembrance the word of the Lord spoken by the prophet Moses. In this season, it's going to be very, very important that we remember the words and the prophecies that have been placed over our life. Because what ends up happening is that if we do not remember them, we have nothing to be able to war with. And when you don't have anything to war with, you have nothing to war for. And then you have no inheritance. This is where it's very, very important, okay? So Caleb goes ahead and Joshua's like, don't you remember the word that Moses spoke? Now, do you wonder what that was? What is this, right? 
40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Katawarabah to Espy out of the land, to spy out the land, right? There you go. I'm not Bishop Hooks, clearly, right? Because he would have he nailed that, like, bam, like, got it. And so, <laughs> to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, surely the land whereon your feet have trodden shall be yours. It will be your inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. What Caleb is mentioning is where Moses sends the spies to go spy out Canaan. Now, it's interesting because when you look inside of Numbers chapter 13 at the beginning, God, the, word, the voice of the Lord comes to Moses and says this, I want you to collect 12 spies because it is in my heart to give you the land Canaan. So God at that moment actually is fully intending to be able to give Canaan to the Israelites at that moment. And so what he's doing is he's sending the spies to go on a mission. However, when you do not properly define the context of your mission, again, context is king. If you do not understand the context, you misrepresent your focus, and then your focus gets pulled into fear. And that is a problem. This is what ends up happening, is they did not realize that the context of their mission was to a faith-building mission. They thought it was a fact-finding mission. This is where things go off the rails then this is what ends up happening, is that then they come back with the negative report. How many of you remember that? Right? They're like, oh, man, like, it was, like, legit. It's super bomb. Like, oh, my gosh, there's milk everywhere. There's honey everywhere, which is interesting to me because, like, of food groups, I would prefer pizza over both of those things. <laughs> However, they did not mention that in their report, which I find very offensive. Um, and, <laughs> and so this is what ends up happening is they say this. And they go ahead and strike fear into the hearts of the Israelites. Caleb, understanding what is going on, says out of his mouth, no, we must go up immediately. Let us go now and take the land. But this is what happens, is that oftentimes when you speak forth the truth of what is in the heart of God, do not be surprised when resistance comes and people do everything in their power to do and say things against their nature and against the heart of God to subvert what it is that you're saying. Why is this? Is because this is a season of war, which means confrontation, which means that the reality of the kingdom inside of you will confront every spirit of passivity, fear, and trauma that has held them in place. And so sometimes some of you have been in a process of, of difficulty and warfare with the, some of the closest relationships in your life. And you're saying, God, I don't know what's going on. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what I do. It seems like no matter what I do, it's not good enough for them. And they hate me more and more and more. Rejoice. You are demonstrating a fruit of the kingdom that is confronting the darkness all around you, right? Isn't God awesome? Oh, man, love it. And, and so this is the thing that happens is Caleb does this. But then the people, the other spies, and ratchet up their negative report and cause fear to reign in the hearts of the children of Israel where fear is converted to trauma. In this season, it is so important for us to be selective over the voices that we listen to because the assignment of the enemy in this season is to seek to cause seeds of fear to birth an inheritance of trauma instead of promise. 
This is what's getting ready to happen. And so now what we see is Caleb can't do anything. He is righteous and he stands on the truth, but the heart of the people has turned. This is the part where, man, if I was Caleb, I'd be a little sore. I'd be a little sour about this. He enters into a season of 40 years of delay because of something that wasn't even his fault. Some of you have been experiencing delay that wasn't because of anything you did. You did everything that you thought you needed to do. But sometimes there are situations beyond our control that put us into a place of delay. But we have two choices, right? We have two choices in this moment. This is where I want us to begin to zone in on, is that Caleb, rather than come into a place of feeling like a victim, of curling up and dying, he instead chooses to believe the promise that God gives him in the midst of his darkest hour. Caleb, Joshua, because of your righteousness in your belief of my desire and my heart and that you did not waver, wherever your feet tread, wherever your feet tread will be yours. I don't know if you noticed this part here, but in Caleb's darkest hour, God gives him a blank check. You have in your possession access to limitless breakthrough and transformation. But here's the thing, is that when God bursts it to you in your season of darkness, there is a process that then ensues to begin to make you the man or the woman worthy of writing what that amount on that check should be. Because here is the thing, is that God needs to eradicate not just Egypt from you, but even the things that would try to hamper you in the midst of your season of dominion. Because here's the thing about Caleb, is that it's not just about Caleb and what he gets personally. It is what he does for the nation of Israel. All right, now I'm getting ready to wrap up, which means I got about 10 more minutes, okay? Here we go. And um, this is what we're going to do, is here's what Caleb does. And again, imagination of David. You guys ready to go there? It's a crazy place, but I guarantee you come out alive. And um, here's the thing is that I'm imagining Caleb. He's hanging on to this promise that God has given him. But yet here is the thing is that he has 45 years worth of days that he needs to choose to believe the prophetic word that's over his life. It is not in that moment where he goes and stands before Joshua that brings him the promise, but it is his willingness to embrace and marinate himself in the reality of his prophetic purpose. This is what happens. Can you imagine? Caleb's coming out. He just fought for his life. He came out of a battle. And he's got scars. He's got new scars all over his body. He lays in bed, and the thought comes to his mind, I wouldn't even be here if fear had not wrought. If I had been with manlier soldiers, if I hadn't been with, like, pansies, right, I wouldn't have to fight this, these sissy boys, right? I don't don't know, like, what's going on, right? He could have done that, but I can just imagine Caleb laying 
on his in the bottom of his tent and just saying, Lord, the promise, Lord, the promise. This is what happens is that a prophetic word spoken of your, over your life is not just simply a promise of a future, but it has encapsulated inside of it the ever-powerful, life-altering, transformational voice of the Lord. It is the same power that caused creation to come to being. There is a creative miracle in your prophetic word. You don't believe me? Let's go ahead and check this out. Caleb believes in his prophecy so much that it is literally the life that sustains him for 45 years to the point where he can stand before Joshua who is old and stricken with age and say, I am as strong now as I was then. It does not matter what kind of season of delay you have found yourself in. It does not matter how many mistakes you think that you've made or haven't made. The reality is that when God spoke a prophetic word over you, what ended up happening was God gave you the very keys you need to see it fulfilled inside of your life. God honors faith, not your pedigree. So this is what happens, is that inside of you in this season, what we have to do is we have to bring to remembrance the prophetic words that were spoken over, over our lives. If, if it is about family restoration, if it is about unity of your family, of the bringing of your children back into your life, of the prodigals coming home, then what we have to do is we need to begin to live in the reality of that prophetic word. It means that we have to begin to say, yes, God, I see it. I feel it. I know what it's like. I know what it's going to be like when I'm there. And I understand all of these different things. And this is what happens is that when you are immersed in the reality of the prophetic word, when in the natural it is not manifested, you have inside of you and around you the thing that will sustain you to fruition. This is what we have to do in the midst of this season. We have to embrace. We have to begin to grab a hold of it. Because here's the thing is that we are only using the surface level of the potential of what God's voice can do. And so if you just simply play it back because it's nice and it's the, the day before next year's prophetic conference and you're like, oh, I just want to hear what was last year, then we got some problems because you're leaving a lot on the table. Because what happens is that when you begin to marry the prophetic word and you believe it, what happens is things begin to start popping. And what this does is it unlocks your tomorrow into the now okay so now as we're getting up to go ahead and do this we're going to have a time where we're going to war over our prophetic words and this is going to be the one component that I want to begin to share with you that's going to be so important and valuable is this is that when we embrace the word over our personal prophetic destiny it unlocks the destiny of a nation maybe the reason why Washington is the way that it is is because we have yet to war with our prophetic words the right way. This is an interesting thing about America is that we are a nation that is traumatized right now. That is why everything triggers us. That's why everything causes us to go into a tailspin because when you live in a life of trauma, the slightest breath or the wind or touch will begin to cause you to come into a place of manic rage, right? And we see manic rage happening as a result of the trauma. This is where I believe why we're talking about warring with your prophetic word and using Caleb is because when Caleb goes before Joshua, how many of you know that God did not specifically tell him that the mountain that he points out when he says, give me my mountain, he did not specifically tell him that's yours, Caleb. Caleb wrote the check. He wrote the amount and he says, the amount on this check is that mountain. 
Here's the thing is it may seem selfish, but it's not a selfish thing. You know why? Because there are more prosperous, abundant territories in Canaan than that mountain. But that mountain is the source of his people's trauma. It is that mountain with the giant king, with the walls that made the spies think they were grasshoppers, that caused trauma to come into a nation. They weren't a nation yet. It was the trauma that resisted them from becoming a nation. Caleb says, because God has worked a process inside of him, huh, it was never about me. And he chooses the harder path. I will sacrifice my life, if it is the will of the Lord, to remove the source of trauma over my people. God wants to use you to remove the trauma off of a nation. That is why the battle for your destiny has been so intense. And it has made you feel like you're alone and you don't know what to do in your loss. I want to encourage you. want to encourage you that it is maybe because God has given you a vision and a purpose larger than you've yet seen. Now, I want to wrap it up with this. And Pastor Daniel, actually, I felt a shift. There's a peace here. And I, I really, I, I might shift it a little bit, and then I'll give it to you, Pastor, if that's okay. But I feel like this is going to set a lot of people free tonight because you thought you were broken and you thought you were missing it, but you're not. You're just simply searching for the reality of your prophetic destiny. This is what happens with Caleb is Caleb points to that mountain, and it is the location of Hebron. It is the location of Hebron, which is the resting place of the fathers of Israel, specifically Abraham. It is a resting place of the promise. So when he says, give me my mountain, he says, I want to reclaim the promise over a nation. It's interesting that in Romans, like Pastor Josh had mentioned, that faith was afforded to righteousness for Abraham. And it is the same type of faith that unlocks that promise for a nation. God is going to reveal to you a promise at the end of this process that is going to blow your mind. This is what I want us to do in this holy moment is I want us all to stand up right now, right where you are. This is a moment of visitation for you because things are about to shift like you would not imagine. This is the interesting thing. When Caleb takes that mountain, the children of Israel never have a problem with mountains and taking the territory of the mountains. What they do have a problem taking are valleys, which strategically, if you've been in the military, does not make any sense. Mountains are a better position. But the children of Israel don't have a problem taking mountains. 
when Caleb broke the power of the mountain over the children of Israel, it caused people's faith to begin to escalate, to believe for the same impossibility. And I'm going to speak about this tomorrow. But I believe that what is getting unlocked inside of this church in this territory are Caleb's that will begin to create a culture of faith in a community that have yet to realize the reality they're going to walk into. And so, Father, right now, right where you are, raise your hands up right where you are. Father, I thank you right now that tonight is a night of context. This is a night where you wanted to give a surrounding, an explanation of the season that we have all been in, but we weren't able to see. But Father, I thank you right now that there are Caleb's in here who will bring to remembrance the promises that you have given them, the prophetic words that have been spoken over their life. Right now, where you are, remember, remember that word that caused you to weep uncontrollably when you received it. When you said, Lord, could this really be for me? Remember it right now. Over your family, over your ministry, over your destiny and your purpose. Lord, I remember. This is what's going to happen. When you remember, you're going to feel something. And the Lord says, begin to bring it close. The Lord says to sons and daughters that even tonight, there is an establishment going on inside of you. There is a firm foundation that has been laid tonight. The Lord says that in the midst of this, you will find courage to war. You will find courage to battle. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, we bring to remembrance the prophetic word. And now this is what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hand super high if you make this commitment that starting today, every day, you remember the words that were spoken and you begin to prophesy it anew and afresh. Just picture that, Caleb, before another battle that he didn't sign up for, Lord, I choose to remember the promise. I prophesy with my mouth and bring to remembrance that word. Father, right now you see hands raised all over this room because they're hungry to advance and to war and effective warfare. So Father, do it. Do it now in Jesus' name. Last thing that we're gonna do, I want you to shake yourself of the residue of your past. Just go ahead, we're gonna do a prophetic act. Shake that residue off, because when we're receiving a new mantle, we gotta get those old clothes off, right? We gotta get it off. How many of you feel a little bit light now? Woo, a little bit light. Yes, all right. Father, right now, we pray a blessing over what's going on here. God, we worship you. We honor you. And Father, we give you tonight a shout of victory for what we're going to do. Ready? Let's go ahead and shout to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Come on. Come on. Lift your voice. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Lift your voice. Shout to God with a voice of triumph tonight. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory. You may be seated. My, my, my. What a word. What a word.
Ushers, would you help us out? We're going to go ahead and sow. And you have to understand that, that giving and sowing, I want you to sow into that word for your, your family, for the word over your life, for this region. It's not just, it's not giving to a get. It's sowing into the reality of the, the power. That, that was revelatory, man. That was powerful. Man, you do pretty good with ripped jeans and everything. Come on, Jesus. Well, there's many, many people online. And uh, we're glad that you are. We acknowledge you all over the nation. There's people all over the nation online right now. And uh, you can go ahead and give as well. You just follow the intuitive links on the website, casealaska.com. Or you can go to the app. And uh, we'll be rolling out our new app. It's just about final approval. And then we'll let you know when that rolls out. We're hoping that actually happens tomorrow. might have already happened, but we'll for sure mention it tomorrow. What a powerful word. give electronically. You can give a check. Ushers, would you come, please, if you need an envelope? We do envelopes yet? Not yet? Let's do that. Tomorrow morning, I'm doing something that we've never done before. Usually how it works at conferences like this is you have one main speaker on Sunday morning, but the Lord spoke to me clearly not to do that, so I'm not doing that. And uh, that's what we endeavor to do is pray and obey. So, at 9 a.m., Pastor Bruno from Chile will be preaching. And if you were here during the day today, I mean, I just can't hardly wait to hear the word of the Lord tomorrow. On, uh, really, three. It'll be a full house. Then 11 o'clock, uh, we have 9 o'clock service. It's about an hour and a half. We endeavor to clear the room out, clear the parking lot out, turn the, turn the room over, and let the 11 o'clock in. And then Pastor Josh will be preaching at 11 and uh, Pastor Josh, my gosh, he's been bringing the heat. Oh, he just walked in. Shh. 11 o'clock tomorrow. You don't want to miss that. Then uh, over in Eagle River, where's all my Eagle River people at? What's up, Eagle River? The Fangs are going to be over in Eagle River ministering there at the, at the service at 1030 in the morning. If you're online and you're anywhere near Eagle River, you can go and be a part of that. If you feel led to go to Eagle River and be a part of that, you go right ahead. And it's at 10.30. And then at 1, he, he's jumping in. They're, they're all jumping in a car. And they come over here safely. Be here by about 1.15. And he'll be preaching the 1 o'clock service here. So we've got three different uh, three different speakers tomorrow morning. Then tomorrow night, Bishop Hooks. Again, you do not want to miss this. It'll. You say, well, what about Monday? i got to go to work. Just call in sick. Lie and just come. No, I'm not. Liars go to hell. You don't want to do that. All right. But if you're, able to, if you're able to pull a personal day, it's a good day to do it. If you haven't registered for the conference, go ahead and be a part of that. There is some room left. And uh, you can come 9 o'clock Monday morning and then uh, all through the day Monday. And then Monday night, we'll wrap things up with uh, Pastor Bruno Frigoli. What a powerful conference. We're at about the halfway mark. Awesome. You ready to sow? You ready to give? All right, let's pray. Bishop Hooks, would you kindly pray over this? Come on, hold your offering up to the Lord, however you're doing that electronic or other means. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your, your grace that is upon us. Along with this word, we refuse, we absolutely refuse.
to walk away today without taking something that you've given to us to deposit into the heavenly realms. We're thanking you right now for the release. Lift your hands up, please. Lift them up everywhere. We're thanking you right now for the release. Thank you for the release of your anointing that is on your people to respond to you. This cannot be something that sets and just become dormant. We must act on it. We act on this in your authority and in your name. We refuse to sit on the sideline and let someone else pave the way. We want to be involved. We will be involved. We will declare it. We will put our hands to the plow. We will take from us and give to you. It's spiritual. This is not natural. It is spiritual. We do this in the authority that you have given to us based on the covenant that you've given to us. I pray that you would bless every person that will respond in all faith. Touch every person here on tonight. All the glory is yours in Jesus' name. Everybody shout. Amen. Amen. Ushers, go ahead. this service uh, but before we do that with every head bowed every eye closed we never want to close a service without giving an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus that's the beginning for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life whosoever is anybody the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Have you ever given your heart to Jesus? You say, well, I'm not sure, maybe. You know, it's the kind of thing, if you give your heart to Jesus, that's not the kind of thing you forgot. And so if you can't remember when you did give your heart to Jesus, it's very possible that you haven't. Because being born again is a radical experience having all your sins washed away and having God himself come and take up residence inside your heart by the Holy Spirit. It's not something you forget. It's not just a little religious thing you do. Every head bowed, every eye closed, those online, you're not right with God, do you know it? God forbid this would be your last night on the earth. Do you know for sure whether you'd go to heaven? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you have not, I implore you, I plead with you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Turn from your sin. Turn from your rebellion. Turn from lying, cheating, stealing, adultery. Turn. Turn from sin towards God. Ask Him to come into your heart. You deserve death. So did I. Jesus died on a cross so that we don't have to. So that we can be healed. 
so that we can be free, so that we can be redeemed, so that we can be washed, so that we can be cleansed, so that we can have our names written in the Lamb's book of life. It's life and death. Where are you? Man of God, where are you? Woman of God, where are you with the Lord tonight? If you're not right, give your heart to Him in first time or in recommitment or perhaps you just want to be assured of your salvation. If you fit in any of those three categories, giving your heart to Jesus for the first time, recommitting your life because you drifted, you've got compromise, you want to come home, or thirdly, you just want to be assured the devil lies to you, says you're not saved. If you fit in any of those categories, on the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up. One, two, three. Do it now. Raise your hand. Where are you? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. Keep your hand up. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. All the way in the back. Thank you, son. Come on, would you stand up on your feet all across this place? Pray this prayer out loud with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father. Come on, from your heart, with all sincerity, right out loud. Does I have to say it out loud? Yes. It's with your heart and your mouth you believe. Confession, unbelief. That, that's how it happens. you got to say it out loud. Yeah, it's important. Say, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. And to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Come into my heart. And just as Jesus rose again from the grave, raise my life up now. Cleansed. Washed. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And use me for the purpose for which I was created. Use me as your ambassador. Use me to bring healing to people. And Lord, give me my mountain. Change our nation. Change my family. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. As a sign of surrender, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Holy Spirit, come right now. Let your fire come all across this place. Touch every hungry heart. Be filled. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Bondages be broken. Bondages be broken. Give me some milk. In Jesus' name, shatter every assignment of the enemy. Heal trauma right now over families. In Jesus' name, trauma be healed. Be free. Those that are struggling with addiction, I curse that thing in your life and I speak deliverance now over you, your family, and all connected to you. I speak life. Those online struggling with suicide, we curse the work and operation of a spirit of suicide. Demon power, we serve you notice. Even over this region, even over this territory, God, we declare the kingdom of God has come. We declare freedom to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. We declare healing for the brokenhearted and the prison doors open. Liberty being released, Lord, all across the land. Thank you for what you're doing, not just in Alaska, but God, what you're doing in the nations, what you're doing in the United States of America. Lord, heal America. Come on for a moment longer. Pray for the United States. Heal America, God. 
Heal America, Lord. Heal our nation of trauma. Heal the racial tension and divide. Bring an outpouring. Jesus, you're the answer to the woes of our country. Lord, from the White House to every house, bring an outpouring of your spirit. Come on, if you have the freedom to pray in the Holy Ghost, come on. around God turn our nation around Lord heal the generations heal the trauma heal homes heal fatherlessness and abortion release your power come on a moment longer we will speak it forth and declare it and live lives worthy of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus we thank you and we praise you in Jesus name put your best hand clap together for the king of kings come on yeah hey come on yeah hallelujah glory to God wonderful